Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you for coming and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the All of Us podcast. Today, I am very excited to be talking to the first ever professional athlete that we've had on the show. Robin Lenner is a Swedish ice hockey goaltender who currently plays for the Vegas Golden Knights and has previously played for the Ottawa Senators, Buffalo Sabres, New York Islanders, and Chicago Blackhawks. A couple years ago, Robin wrote an article that was published in The Athletic, opening up for the first time publicly about his experience with bipolar disorder, PTSD, and addiction. As a nine-year veteran NHL player, revealing this aspect of his life came with great risk and repercussions. But ultimately, it's what has made Robin a great agent of change in the fields of both athletics and mental health, and it's what inspired me to reach out to Robin to have this conversation you're about to hear. All right. Here's me and Robin Lenner. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I know you said you don't do this very often, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Tell me a little bit about the podcast that I haven't been able to really. I, I looked around a little bit and, it's, uh, and uh, yeah, give, just give me a little bit of an overview of what you guys do and talk about and. Yeah, of course. So it's just me. I started the podcast. It's called All of Us. And I started it for the sake of it being a mental health podcast because I so I never wanted to be a podcaster, really. It was never something that I was that interested in. I loved listening to podcasts, but it was never something that I thought I would do. But when I went to college in 2014, I struggle a lot with my own mental health issues. I had a very bad eating disorder and suffered really terrible anxiety and depression and felt really lonely. Uh, And so for the past few years, it's been about six years since then. So I dealt with my stuff for, for probably, I was in the really dark part of it for three to four years. And then a couple of years ago, started coming out of it and realized that I wanted to do something to bring awareness to what I had dealt with and what I knew that so many more people were dealing with on a daily basis, but felt very alone in in dealing with. And as I started listening to more podcasts, I realized that this would be something that would be really effective and kind of spreading that message. Because I realized just through talking to friends and people I didn't know, but started having conversations with, I think a lot of people feel very alone in what they're dealing with, with their mental health. They really don't know how to talk about it or that it's even okay to talk about it. But then when you give somebody the green light to talk about what they're dealing with or what they've dealt with, they really enjoy talking about it. And I think it's a, it's a really great way for, for people to come together and feel a little bit less alone. So that's why I started it. And you 
will be the 16th person that I'm talking to. The first, the, yeah, the first episode came out at the end of August. So that's what I'm doing, but it's just me. Uh, I record everything and edit everything. It's a, it's a small, it's a one person team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it's but about. It's and the episodes are very free form. It's just meant to be a conversation. It's not any kind of press interview or anything like that. It's just about two people connecting over things that they, like you and me, probably have felt very alone in dealing with it at one point or another. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, also, so I know you're, you're a hockey player. I yep. know very little about hockey. I've done, I've done a little bit of research for before this, but you're going to need to bear with me a little bit and, and kind it's of good. speak to me as somebody who doesn't really know a lot about hockey. So yeah, let's just, we'll get right into it. Where are you yep. right now? I'm in uh, Las Vegas. Oh, great. Right on. So that's where you're based. So you signed, yeah. you're on the, on the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. And you signed a contract with them, I know, in, in the beginning of October. Yeah. So maybe tell me a little bit about how you got, I want to know how you got into playing hockey, first mm-hmm. of all. I feel like that's a very critical part of who you are. So I would love to hear about, about you getting into that. Yeah, I mean... Uh... The the um, the hockey part is obviously it's my profession. Uh, um, yeah, I started uh, I started playing hockey around I was ten years old. Uh, would uh, my my father always liked hockey? He wanted me to try it, and uh, started a bit late, so I had to play catch up for quite some time. And you know, it's a long, long story. So <laughs> it's. Uh, 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 but uh, I kind of got into hockey through through my dad, and then kind of it, it all went from there. But uh, uh, yeah, if uh, it's going to take majority of your podcast, if I start talking about the the whole hockey, how how that came <laughs> came about, if you want to talk more about the mental health stuff, but uh, yeah, it's it's a different thing, I know. But I know they probably have a a lot to do with each other. I read that you're from Gothenburg, Sweden which this is a very kind of random fact, but I ride horses competitively and the, the uh, world cup for show jumping happened in Gothenburg last year. And it's a, it's a very big horse show every year. So I was excited to read that you're from Gothenburg. You started playing when you were 10. Yeah. Um, And then your dad is a, he was a, he was a coach I read for the New York Rangers goal goalie or goaltender. Uh, Yeah. When he was in Sweden. Okay. Uh, before he before he went over to play professional, he he worked with him for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Did you go to school in Sweden, or kind of how did it look? You going transitioning from from school to when you were, uh, I guess, would you say drafted by the Ottawa Senators, or is that the yeah. term, or recruited? Yeah. I think it's a draft. Yeah, I was drafted by the Ottawa Senators when I was eighteen. Uh, okay. When I was still in Sweden and. Um, then after I was drafted, I, I moved to Sault Ste. Marie in Canada to play junior hockey for a year. And then I, uh, went professional the year after when I was 19, uh, um, 19 to, uh, Binghamton, New York and Ottawa back and forth there for, uh, a few years until I got a full-time job with, uh, 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 with Ottawa and then the journey kind of went from there was that a big culture shock for you when you had you spent a lot of time away from home before that or was it kind of yeah 
you had? No, uh, it was it wasn't. Uh, I I I um uh, I was used to be away from home uh, from uh, I I lived by myself when I was fifteen uh, to sixteen uh, for a year when I was younger. Uh, I did I I quit high school. I didn't go to high school. Uh, I went grade nine. And I didn't go to high school. So I lived by myself. I did some work and I played mostly hockey uh, at the time. Didn't really have much of a of a plan. Um, and uh, yeah, it, so it wasn't that much of, it, obviously it was a little bit of a culture difference for sure. But uh, going to Canada the first year was quite similar mm-hmm. to Sweden. Uh, then when going to, to uh, uh, when I went to Binghamton uh, and Ottawa, it was a little bit different back and forth there for sure. And then when you went into playing for the Ottawa Senators, had you? because I guess that's the, was that the first NHL team that you played yeah. for? How was the culture, I guess, I, I'd like to know, because I feel like professional hockey is a super aggressive sport, at least from I've, what I've seen. I've been to one hockey mm. game when I was younger and yeah. I saw a massive fist fight. Um, I got terrified and I haven't seen a hockey game since then, but I, mm. I kind of, from what I understand, it's a very aggressive sport and the culture is super aggressive and I guess very macho for lack of better word. Yeah. How was no, it going it into macho. that environment, especially for somebody I know that you've, um, the reason why we're speaking is that you've very bravely kind of come out with, with your mental health struggles and, and what you've been dealing with. So I want to know how that was. And I guess kind of, if that in a way had anything to do with sparking some of the mental health obstacles that you've dealt with, or I guess just emotionally, I'd love to hear how that was for you transitioning into the NHL. No, I mean, it is uh, for sure. It's uh, uh, I think any person, a lot of uh, the predominantly men's sports uh, uh, are that macho type thing, especially in hockey. Uh, I mean, I can't speak to the other sports that much, but um it definitely has that, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you have to show, you can't show weakness or, or whatnot, you know, and, um, and, um, no, it's definitely a, a special type of, of culture, but, you know, in the end of the day, I used to always say like the people that act, the act the toughest and, you know, talk the most and all this stuff are usually the, the one that struggles the most and, 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 and are the weakest, you know, and, um, you see that around uh, in, 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 in sports, but in life in general, you know, and um, so it's definitely, I mean, I had no, I had no problem uh, with like self-esteem that much, you know, coming out with what I've been struggling with and stuff like that, because I just really, it, it, it really didn't matter to me that much uh, from standpoint of people's going to think less or or more of me uh, when did it. I just know from being in the league now for a while and going through a lot of uh, difficult things and dealing with these issues that a lot of people do. And that's why I, that's why eventually uh, that I took the decision to do this and, and to write my article and try to be as open about it as possible and joining uh, and teaming up with the same here organization uh, because there is no, you see all these other mental health organizations, they keep pushing the numbers, uh, one in five, 
have mental health issues and uh, it's just uh, it goes against everything that I believe in and, and what our organization believes in because it's mental health is on a continuum you know it's it mm. goes up and it goes down uh, it's yeah, uh, what you go it, it's what you go through in life it can be financial pressures it can be you know relationship issues uh, someone close to you passing away it can be a lot of different things that affects your mental health state and um and uh, uh obviously if you look around in society in general there's a lot of different jobs and stuff that triggers obviously different types of mental health issues and uh, it's a lot more it's a lot more normal than what people make it out to be and for people to uh, to the worst thing to do and um, when you struggle we with the mental health issues is to kind of just put it in yourself and and and, and hide it away because that's usually when things get worse and worse and that's why when people start using drugs to to make you feel better or you know they the suicide there's suicide epidemic in the world really you know and um because that stigma is around you can't really have these issues or show weakness and all that stuff that's why the problem is so big and then you can go into the pharmaceutical industry and how all that stuff works too which is a huge problem but you know it's uh, you we got to be able to open up the conversations and, and don't have the repercussions of showing that you're dealing with these things because there a lot of things. There are natural ways. There's natural medications. There are uh, pharmaceutical medications. There are therapy. There's breathing exercise. There's so many things that are out there, but because people don't dare to kind of wander out there to find what, what you can do, the problems the problem just gets worse and more and more people are dealing with it. So that's yeah. what the root problem is. I completely agree. I think I definitely want to talk to you about what you've mentioned, the alternative ways of dealing with mental health obstacles, such as, you know, like meditation and, and breath work and more holistic modalities of, of coping. But I would love to know, I think that from what you've said, I think you would agree that a lot of people hesitate to come out with what they're dealing with but I think even before that the first step is identifying what you're dealing with and I think yes as much of a I struggle agree. it can be dealing with any mental health disorder or obstacle I think that it is really um it's a big step to even identify what you're dealing with yeah I say that all the time you you're you're 100 right I mean uh, all the other things I was talking about there it kind of comes it kind of comes after but i think being open and honest about things uh is the kind of it, it it needs to be the first step in a in a perfect world where you don't get punished by it but right now you get punished by it so you can't really be open and honest about it. that's that's just the unfortunate uh part of the whole whole thing right now but i say it all the time to people that i talk to you know uh i'm bipolar i'm bipolar one uh with uh, i got pete uh and struggle with PTSD and ADHD. And uh, before I was diagnosed and I understood what I had and how it affects me and, and all that stuff, 
it was who I was. I didn't mm. know I had it. I didn't know how, you know, you only live once. I have nothing to compare it to. And, you know, it was just who I was, right? So uh, it wasn't, it wasn't until I got, um, I got checked into rehab and, and got start reading and going through talking to all these people and all these uh, doctors and stuff. And you start like pinpointing my behaviors over my life and what's happened and kind of start seeing all the patterns and, and understanding what it is that I have that I have to deal with. And that all comes to education. And that's a lot what the same here organization do too is pushing. There needs to be mental health education in in, in, in countries, you know, because how can people like, how, how would people know really that you're struggling with anxiety or depression or uh, any of the spectrums of problems that you can have mentally if you don't really know what it is? It's just who you are at that point. I and, completely, uh, completely agree with that. I say all the time that um, part of the reason right now I'm, I just applied to graduate school to get an MFT. Um, which is a, basically to become a therapist. And something that I'm so passionate about is eventually when I do have my credentials, starting to implement systemic change in the way that our school system here in the US deals with mental health education. I have always said that when I started dealing with my eating disorder, I was still in high school. And I had, if you would have asked me if I had an eating disorder, I would have said no. I had no idea what the symptoms were. And by the time that I did get any education on it, it was a little bit too late for me. Luckily, yeah. I've gotten that education since, but I completely agree that there needs to be a big shift in how we educate young people, especially on mental health and how to prepare themselves for, uh, for the future in terms of emotions and, and yeah, no, 100%. I think it's for I think it's, uh, I, it's young, young, young people for sure. But even up through, uh, uh, up through uh, college and everything, because you know, I've said that a long time too. Not to jump subjects and all that stuff too, but I mean, even the education system here in the U.S. And you know, I'm not a socialist, and I come from a socialistic country. I'm not a socialist, but you know, uh, the, the the way the education is set up in general here in the U.S., for example. Um, with it being so expensive to get an education and then uh, then uh, work uphill for tens and tens of years to pay off school debts and, and all that stuff is, in my opinion, a huge, uh, a, a huge problem mm. because, you know, if you introduce financial stress that early in someone's life for such a long period of time to be, be able to make ends meet, uh, just for your education from a very early age and for, for, for a long period of time forward, then you wonder why you have a country that are struggling with a lot of depression and anxiety and have crazy high numbers in drug use and stuff like that, because you don't want to worry about the end of the month. You don't want to worry about paying, paying the bills for, for, for an education that might not give you a lot of, income you understand what i mean so i think a lot of a lot of mental health issues is in the system that's been created here in the u.s too and then they wonder why so many people are using drugs and 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 stuff like that you know it's uh, it's mind-boggling to me because it's right in front of people's eyes what 
some of the root problems are. You understand what I mean? So yeah, completely. Were you um, when you so you said that there was kind of a turning point where it what you struggle with went from just being a part of who you were and you kind of assumed it was just naturally in your character to to coming to understand that that these were mental health issues that you were dealing with that could be treated and could be diagnosed you obviously didn't go when you were 18 that's not something that you recognized and I'd love to know at what at what point you had that realization and what kind of led you to you said that you kind of discovered it when you went to rehab right well I do I uh... I started understanding my conditions and that I had conditions uh, um, uh, when uh, I was in rehab and started uh, uh, mapping out my life and started reading about the conditions. And, uh, you know, that's what the funny thing is. Like if, you know, if I go through, I say it all the time too. I mean, I go through, I've been in a bunch of different NHL teams and I played with a lot of different players and, you know, you can see players that has ADHD and OCD and depression and anxiety and all that stuff all around, but they have mm-hmm. no idea. And, and uh, in sports or in the workplace in general, they just label it different things than what it actually is. I mean, if you look at professional sports, if, if someone is really good at uh, someone's really good in practice, or if someone's good in a, say in our farm uh, farm teams are really really good and they come up and play in the big leagues and they don't perform they're just uh, they can't handle the pressure or they're nervous or whatnot they want to they they're not clutch or whatever you want to they want to call it in the sports world when it thinks we're talking about anxiety you understand what i mean and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you see people with crazy rituals they got to do uh, a lot of mind-boggling things before games and stuff like that and you know you see OCD and ADHD and like you you just you you just in the workplace you get labeled labeled things that's and because you they don't want to put the condition on it where it's all these people could have gotten help to reach their goals if we could just have an open honest conversation that everyone's struggling with these different things you understand what I mean yeah and Uh, it's unfortunate that it works that way. That's so interesting that you talk about uh, these kind of obsess, these obsessive rituals that, that players kind of go through and it's clearly, I guess to you, you would identify it as, as probably being OCD, but I think at least from an outsider's perspective, and I listen to a lot of interviews with different athletes and a lot of the time, I think that they're asked about their I don't know, pre-game rituals and it's kind of this fetishized thing and their obsession yeah. with like the workouts and the rituals and the, the different things that they have to do to kind of perform at peak level. And I think um, it is so sort of sensationalized and fetishized and no one would ever, because they're, they're these kind of godlike figures, these professional athletes, nobody would ever label any of their behavior as potentially being related to mental illness i think that's such oh, a but i mean that, that's the thing though like everyone is the same like every person is the same no matter what type of work you do totally or what, what you do in life i mean that's just the, the thing like in in work in general and stuff it's just so much about not showing weakness and stuff like that and then you just get put put to the side if if there's something that doesn't really match up i mean inconsistent inconsistent workers players whatever you want to name you know, like, like if you look at this, 
I don't trust many statistics as it is because, you know, how can you really measure mental health statistics in a country where no one is open and honest about their conditions? How would you know that, you know, like they say it's around five, six percent of the U.S. is bipolar, but how would they know? Because for first, like no one says that they're bipolar because that's has a has a tag that you're a crazy person if you're bipolar. And just there's so many people that I've met that I I believe are bipolar just don't, don't have a clue that they are. You understand what I mean? And mm-hmm. same in in sports. But you know, how come some 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 players are so good in a certain period of time and then they suck in other periods? I mean, that's just you know, like not to put a broad stroke over what bipolar is, but I mean, just you'd never dig into it and there's no help to find out if there's any any means to help those people or get them diagnosed with something because you never go to your, say, say if you work at a big company or if you're a sports athlete, you don't really go to your team physician or team doctor and say, I struggle with these and these things because you're going to get punished by it you know you're gonna get less money you might get fired you might Mm. be looked as a liability and all that stuff instead of opening up the conversation understanding that everyone is dealing with something you know and uh and uh, you know and then they self-medicate instead or then they might start taking drugs or they might start drinking and they might start like it's 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 just everything is just work as a society we have created this thing that it's just highly unfortunate watching how, how everything works, where we need to start being open and honest about how this, these things works. You know what I mean? So especially when you talk about like police officers and military and all that stuff, that's, that thing is the most mind boggling to me, you know, uh, what they have to go through and they can't be open and honest that they're struggling. Cause as soon as they're struggling with something they get, they 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 get some type of condition written down on a paper they they lose their job man they right. they, they and how can they then do their job to the fullest if they can't be open and honest that they're struggling with something and then they can get medicated or or helped or treated for it you yeah. understand what i mean it's it's uh, yeah first it's, of all uh, i think it's, it's um i think it's so interesting hearing you as a professional athlete talk about what what would scare you in terms of in terms of coming out with what you're struggling with and that being potentially the repercussion of that being i guess getting less money or even fired uh from being a a player on a team i think i definitely have some knowledge as to sort of what comes with with bipolar disorder what some of those qualities are and i think a lot of the time it's associated with mood swings and sort of how it affects your you emotionally and how it affects your relationships uh, and how it affects your I don't know your life at home or even your job but I never I've never thought of it in terms of how it would affect your not only what your what the people in charge of the sports teams are thinking of you but also your ability to perform in general I never thought of it as being having an impact on your performance, which now I can so clearly see that it, it definitely would. If your body and mind are affected, then your performance is bound to be affected as well. That's, the, that's what the character, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the pocket they put you in, right? Because there's no mental health understanding out there. What, because everyone's lying about not having any issues while people are having issues. People are killing themselves. What's the most normal thing uh, that happens after someone commits suicide. Everyone around them said, oh, I never saw that coming. 
Hmm. Oh, I never, I could never see that coming. I didn't know. He seemed happy. He seemed perfect. You understand what I mean? Like, that's just the, uh, uh, people are just, people are just hiding everything and self-medicating themselves and, 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 and doing what they think to feel better when there's other alternatives out there. But there are repercussions in almost every field about being open and honest about your mental health. And I think it's, it's disgusting because, you know, the people that are actually punishing, say, for example, I worked at a regular company and I would be open and honest about having some type, uh, say I'm depressed or whatnot. And, the person that might fire me or not want to promote me and stuff, he's also depressed. You understand what I mean? So like the people that are punishing are, are suffering from the same stuff. You know, it's, it's just the, it's just a screwed up system in general, the whole thing where, you know, the people get to start, we got to be more movements, more, more talk from more people about, uh, about mental health because you know all these tough guys and everyone uh, say, uh, you know I was on a uh, talk a year and a half ago you know like they they said like yeah well uh, with concussion protocols and all that stuff in different sports and well back in the day they fought through it and they didn't complain and they do that no but they're all <laughs> they're they're committing suicides now instead you know uh, yeah. I mean that's how tough they they were you know uh, so it's not tough to not tough to hide it it's not tough to not treat yourself to live a good normal life uh, you know and and find ways to uh to do it because majority of uh, majority of issues mental health issues out there are treatable and there's a lot of different ways to go about it and i think more and more research and in new natural ways and i think you know i talk to so many people about mental health and i have so many people reaching out to me and you know, as soon as something like kids and parents and stuff, they reach out to me and I don't give out advice. I'm not a professional. I just know, know what kind of has worked for me. And it's still like, I, I still have, I have to do work on a week, day to day, weekly basis. And I talk to my psychiatrist. The only thing that I haven't been able to do for my own plan yet is doing therapy because therapy screws me up. But, uh, um, it's so when there's just so many bad psychiatrists and therapists and stuff out there. I think that the whole system is broken because, oh, uh, oh, I struggle with anxiety. I'll give you a, I'll give you a 65 pack uh, Xanax and do that and that see how that goes. You know, like yeah, I've definitely uh, seen my my fair share of therapists, and before I I've only seen one psychiatrist ever who. Um, I kind of, I really struggled going back and forth with getting on an SSRI for a long time. And eventually I was trying everything um, from yoga to meditation to Ayurveda to alternative ways like diets. And I was going through an adaptogens, just like anything, because I come from a history of uh, my family. There's a lot of addiction in my family, especially Mm. with with pills. And so the last thing I wanted to do was go on any kind of pill. But finally, I just, my mental health and my emotions were just so kind of black and white. It felt like such a soap opera all the time that it was just so exhausting and I couldn't handle it anymore and nothing else was helping. Mm. So 
that's when I sought help from a psychiatrist and I ended up going on an SSRI that I actually just, I was taking it for two years and I actually just stopped a little less than a month ago. So that's mm. been an interesting transition, but, no, but that's that, the thing with it the did very much help me, but yeah. I do understand, like I have a lot of friends and even family members who definitely have struggled with the idea of going to a therapist just because they've had a bad experience or because of what you say, there can be so many of them that uh, will kind of push you in the wrong direction or sort of make you rehash things that are at the end of the day unhealthy to rehash. And so, yeah, I definitely yeah. understand. No, for sure. I mean, I, I've been through a lot of them too. And I have a really, really good psychiatrist for the, for the last uh, year and a half. And he's just so different than everyone else. And I mean, I've tried every type of medication you can think of too. And, you know, a lot of the hard part with the medication sometimes too is that they can be, they can work for a little bit and stop working. And uh, uh, sometimes it takes a long time for them to start acting and stuff. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a hard, a, a hard like trial and error phase in the beginning, you know, and especially for me for being a professional athlete, you know, like with there, there are medication with sites and, uh, and stuff like that. So some medication I know would be better for me if I wasn't, play in hockey but i have to do an other types of combinations to be able to you know be able to play hockey and still have uh, still uh you know uh have a good life so i mean right. it's uh, it, it, i think also it's like you get a i think a big part too is to do a lot of your own research and do a lot of reading and and look into a lot of a lot of different things not just you know uh some medications you know you, you get associated with having different issues mentally and stuff and you get put on really heavy medication it's kind of make you zombie like and that's not how you want to live right. your life the rest of your life either you know and they're 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 i think you got to be open uh, open mind to have a what have if you have the means to you know have a good uh, psychiatrist and try different things but that's the problem too in the u.s it's it's very expensive and it's not everyone that have the luxury that I have to, to, to be able to do what I've done. And that's, that's sad in its own thing, you know, because I don't really know what to tell some people, you know, that needs help, you know, and they don't can't afford it, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, as I say, the whole system is broken from, from the school level up to government, you know, and uh, to the whole pharmaceutical industry, because it's about pushing as much as possible towards the population and people get addicted and it becomes dangerous and uh, uh, there are there are just so many natural ways uh, uh, as well and uh, I think there are a tremendous amount of good studies in you know in CBD and in, in uh, marijuana and in mushrooms and all these things that are illegal and uh, that uh, there's actually more studies in, in mushrooms for mental health than and probably any other medication out there for mental health and you're just not allowed to take it and uh, you know if, if people that start reading into like microdosing and different other types of non-psilocybin mushrooms like lion's mane and and other things like that, that have yeah the adaptogens yes and um but the pharmaceutical industry doesn't make money on that so they don't want to talk about that uh, you know and they want to push that down and push that away and um, and it, they they kind of put everything on, you know, the hallucinogenics, you know, that is just this crazy things, you know. But they have there's so many studies for PTSD and all types of things, 
uh, all types of disorders to, with these natural things too. And um, that's something I wish that I was allowed to be on and, uh, and, and, and take and, and uh, experiment with uh, in the micro setting. Yeah. And um, um, so, as I said, I think the system, uh, like the stigma is a big first part to start people understanding that we were all dealing with it in one kind of way. That's what it's going to have to start with and really break through before we can make systemic changes. And it's got to start at the school levels because with the school levels, the younger generation start understanding it. Then maybe in the future, when they go up into positions of change, they can be the ones that are changing it because it's hard to, to get these older people in government and stuff to ac accept the changes unless there's a tremendous amount of money attached to it. You understand? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so you, you've played for, you're now on, you've played for five different NHL teams now. Yeah. So at what point did you, cause we've talked a lot about how there is this fear that comes with coming out with any kind of mental health disorder or struggling uh, and how that could have tremendous repercussions on the trajectory of your career. And I'd love to know, because I don't know at what point in your career did you come out with everything and, and start sort of addressing it in a public way? What, like, I guess, how old were you and, and at what point in your career were you at that time? Well, it was uh, now a few years ago after I came out of rehab. Um, um, uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was in Long Island, um, uh, I decided to let uh, release uh, the article in The Athletic and start talking about it uh, openly. And it was to, uh, to help other people, it was also to help myself because in the end of the day, you know, if your environment doesn't know kind of what you, you, you kind of are and struggle with and stuff, like how can you get help from the people around you? Mm -hmm. Then you just go back into doing it all by yourself again, which doesn't really work. Totally. Um, yeah, there's and, nothing uh, worse than feeling alone in whatever you're no, dealing with. I no, think and then, then, I mean, me being in a team and stuff too, I mean, uh, the, the, the regular type of way of doing things is, yeah, you go to rehab, no one knows and no one should know. And you come out, you keep it quiet. You don't want it to affect your contracts and people uh, uh, will uh, see you as a liability, all that stuff. And, I had a decision to make, go back to my old ways and do it by myself again and, and probably fail like so many does in this treatment system here in the U.S. When you go to rehab, so many people don't come out of it and do good. Because, it's very you, true. you know, you, you, you hide everything instead of, you know, and then I had the other option. This was to be accepting and not ashamed of who I am as the person because I'm very proud of the person I am and 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 openly say I have these issues and this sound and try to deal with it and yes I'm gonna have problems in the future again and stuff but now I know how to handle it and now I know what to do and now I have my support system and uh, and stuff like that so and and that's why it becomes more successful and that's what the uh that's again the the system's just broken where you just the, the the biggest thing when you like in rehab it's like involve your family involve the people around you involve everything but then you get out of rehab and then you come into a system where you got it's the total opposite be quiet and do it by yourself and don't let anyone know so it's it, it just doesn't align 
it doesn't have, align at all. Have you found, do, when you kind of, when you came out with the article and you came out of rehab and sort of reintegrated into professional hockey life, did you find that you faced some of the repercussions that you were scared of or, or were you pretty- Yeah, no, 100%. I knew I was going to lose money. I knew I was going to lose money in contract. I knew and I you did? Gonna, and I did, 100%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I still do. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, in the end of the day, you know, I'm looking to, to do some other things and I'm going to market myself a little bit more and talk more, jump in more now in the future into the mental health conversation and, and, uh, and do more around all that stuff. And, um, in the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what it is. Uh, you know, uh, I love it here in Vegas and I love the organization here that I play for with the Golden Knights and, uh, really appreciative of uh, the contract that they gave me. I think it was a big step forward for, you know, uh, open, honest, uh, uh, bipolar one person with uh, uh, a history of a few other things. Still got a, 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 good, a good contract. But if they didn't know or if I wasn't open and honest about all my things, I, my contract would have been significantly bigger. Right. But then there, I think you would agree there would have been a, a way greater risk of you potentially making a, yeah, no, making a mistake a and losing the contract. Totally. Maybe even be alive today. So. Right. So what are, you've kind of mentioned a few times that, that you deal day to day with, with these struggles and these obstacles and, and that you, you do um, implement a lot of alternative healing modalities and, and just ways of sort of making what you've struggled with easier for yourself. Can you talk about some of the things that you do that have, that have really helped you? No, I, I, I mean, I think one of the big things, I mean, I'm not over a hurdle or anything yet, you know, it's no, ongoing. Every way it's a day-to-day thing. No one's ever yeah, fully no healed. For sure. But I, what I've learned is pinpointing earlier when I'm starting to go into different phases and uh, moods and, uh, uh, anxiety and stuff like that. I mean, uh, I never struggled really with anxiety because, you know, th- throughout my career now I was drinking a lot because that's what made me feel good. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, but then when I stopped drinking all this stuff, then my anxiety kind of starts spiking. I start feeling anxiety uh, quite a bit. And I've, I, I've just learned, you know, I, I, I when pinpoint things earlier, talk to my psychiatrist, I'm on the right medications, you know, I, I learned how to put myself in better mood with the uh, different things. But I think, again, the open and honesty, just in a, I think for what people need to understand or not to understand what worked for me was especially like in my relationship was before it was, before all of this was more like, you know, I do things my way and I, you know, when I feel, don't feel good, like I, pull myself away from my family, from my wife, you know, like I, I kind of start isolating myself. And what happens back then was, you know, I didn't feel good. And then I isolated myself. And then I started, you know, not being around my wife or my kids as much. And then all of a sudden, the guilt comes, you know, and when the guilt comes, that's when it really spiraled for me, you know, like, then I start feeling even worse. And then, right it gets worse and you go into that spiral down where things, but now it's like, if I have a bad day or a bad week or whatever, it's, it's shorter and shorter now. 
like I can be open and honest with my wife and say like, listen, I don't, I don't have a good day. I need to do, I need to do some of my things, you know, I need to, whatever that might be. And you take away that big chunk of guilt, you know, just being, be, be able to be open and honest in a relationship on how you are doing. Uh, and I think, again, that comes to, comes back to the point of be able to be open, uh, open with the people around you about how you're feeling, you know, that Completely. helps you from not spiraling down those extra percentage points, you know, and, uh, and it takes uh, not as long time to kind of bounce back to where you need to be. Yeah, completely. I think, I think that's amazing. And I think uh, for me as well, I, in sort of the depths of what I dealt with, the big thing, the thing that fueled it most was me retreating from everybody and, and really isolating. And that's, that's when the worst qualities of my disorder really took hold of me. And when I, and when I really kind of fell victim to it the deepest. And I think that the, the really big healing comes from, oh. from honesty and comes from involving the people around you. Because at the end of the day, if the people, when the people around you really love you, they, they want to know what's going on and they want to be there for you. And it's, um, I think it's not only a big expression of love to those around you when you're honest about what you're dealing with, but it's even a, a bigger expression of love to yourself. And I think that's where the real healing happens. No, no, one hundred percent. And again, a lot of, a lot of self education and reading and and exploring, you know, and really try to, you know, you, when you go to a psychiatrist, when you go to a therapist and stuff, you know, like they're professionals, but they're also a lot of them are also taught in the old school way type of thing, and uh, a lot of them you don't really know are they getting incentives for certain medicines and all that type Completely. of stuff too, you know. You really need to be able to question things and, and, and do your research and li really look into the side effects and be open and honest with them and saying, like, I don't like how I feel on this one. I want to try something else, not just accept straight away what, what you know, uh, I think in the beginning, if there's big problems, 100%, you have to listen to them. But when you start going through the rehabilitation problem of kind of becoming as good of a person as you possibly want to be you know it's about exploring as many options until where you feel like this is where how I want to live my life you know yeah I agree I think it's so important and obviously you're doing this and I've really put an emphasis on doing this myself taking a front seat approach to your healing is so important because it is healing and and rehabilitation is a very big industry and I think something that I was really afraid of when I went into a CSI psychiatrist and when I got on my SSRI something I was afraid of and that I knew would happen was that as you said you kind of you get on a small dose and then it works for a while and then it stops working and the immediate reaction of the psychiatrist is oh let's put you on more let's up your dose and that's kind of how this vicious cycle starts and and I really made a conscious effort to have a say and have control over over what was going to happen in my own healing and my own treatment. I think a lot of the time when people do seek treatment, it's such a big step and it's such a brave thing to do, but it's so easy to sort of take a backseat passenger approach to it and really lose control over over your trajectory of your own healing and also not to really know or have any education on, on what you're taking or what you're doing. So I think it's a really big, really important thing to be educated and, and to really uh, be the pilot of your own healing. 
yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I definitely agree with uh, with all that. And um, no, so I mean, it's a it's an ongoing battle for for um, for society and for this stigma around mental health that hopefully we we can all break through someday. And um, no, so I it's. Uh, there's so many different dimensions to it. And uh, that's why I like the same organization. We were really trying to look at it in a lot of different ways and uh, really try to pinpoint uh, uh, what we can do and what, uh, uh, what we can try to do to break through that. Yeah, of course. But I don't want to keep you too long. I hear a baby in the mm-hmm. background. So yeah, I want to let my you daughter's, pretty- uh, I want to let you go pretty soon, but but before that, I would just I would love to hear about the same here organization and and your work with them and what what they do. Yeah, no, I I think uh, uh, the same here organization is an organization where you know we we encourage people to share about their issues uh, and uh, uh, really push the message that is not one in five, it's five in five that struggles with uh, mental health. Uh, and uh, uh, try to be a proponent of uh, with people, uh, successful people in sports or CEOs or doctors or whatnot, you know, anything, anyone to share uh, about uh, all their uh, different challenges. And uh, we, uh, they're doing some really good stuff in schools right now too, and some school programs and, uh, start working with the big sport organizations and stuff like that. So it's a growing organization, and um, I encourage you to uh, uh, try to get uh, Eric Cousins on um, uh, on your podcast and uh, and have him talk about it because uh, it's a pretty pretty amazing uh, uh, organization. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I would love to to be able to connect with him. It sounds like a mission that I definitely align with. So. Um, for sure. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so so much for your time. I know it's it's a little bit late. I mean, not really, yeah. but I think in this pandemic time, five yeah. twenty p.m. feels like ten twenty p.m. Yeah, I've been going for to sleep sure. at like eight o'clock at night, and I'm sure maybe you too with your with your kids running around. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.